Uh, Rebecca. Abby. My anaconda don't want none unless you got systemic dismantling of an oppressive system, baby. I've got that and buns, so I think we're ready. I thought of that just before we started, <laughs> and I was like, I'm a comedic genius. You truly are. How There's are you a, today? I'm... My anaconda don't want none. That's how I'm I am. General. <laughs> stop. general. <laughs> how are you? I'm depressed. Having a bad depression week, my joints hurt when I type. That's like how I know it's like deep into my bones, you know? Mm, yeah. It's okay. It passes. Right. It'll hopefully be fine in a couple of weeks, maybe a week. We'll see. Maybe a week. I would say that like maybe this movie helped your serotonin, but I don't know. I think it only made it worse. Uh, I, there were a couple of specific <laughs> moments where I got a really serious serotonin blast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, God. So, so this is... Oh, sorry. I was just going to say, Adam. who are we? I was going to say, so, who, so why are these people listening to us? Number one, I uh, don't know. Number one, yeah, run while you still can. <laughs> but we are the Spooky Succubus cast, uh, and we are an anti-racist, anti-capitalist, pro-socialist, um, pro-Bernie in his chair, not giving a fuck, um, podcast about horror movies. Uh, and so we're trying to sort of undo um the implicit bias and damaging relationships to a gender and race that are built into the horror movie oeuvre mm-hmm. um by examining them through a feminist lens i'm abby i'm tired i'm rebecca i'm like in a pretty good mood today so that's cool balance I always catch you in a good mood <laughs> that's also true it's because i went on like a nice hike yesterday and I was out with nature and around zero humans and I felt great so I found uh inauguration day infuriating but that's why I fucked off to the woods so a lot of liberals on uh social media are very excited about this return to decency so (laughs) I Uh, guess we'll see good luck with that there's already so far no luck in venezuela we're upholding um, trump era like (laughs) imperialist policies there Uh and an unsuccessful coup they're just like no this worked don't worry about it it's working yeah (laughs) okay Uh, and then camps are still open um we still don't have meaningful defunding and um abolition steps of the police the cops i think that joe biden will be a repeat of his um democratic predecessor and there's Mm -hmm. not a lot to be excited about right now so everybody keep organizing yeah it's my um, friend uh, laura sent me this meme have you seen this Uh, i put it on my instagram story i'll read it to you we'll have a little read it out loud meme reading because of course that's the funniest way to to start address this off. anything. Yeah. So it's it says, let people enjoy things. Okay, I enjoy critical analysis and being a hater. <laughs> <laughs> me too. That's where I'm at. Like, all right, well, like, tell me what is going to improve for right. marginalized groups. I love That's to not hate. what we're here to talk about. I do love to hate as Except well. for that it kind of is, but. Um, but in like a fun anaconda lens, we've got our anaconda anaconda glasses on. Yeah, to look got our through rose-colored green anaconda glasses. 
Mm-hmm. So I'm, we have to address a lot of inferred violence against indigenous people right now, uh, which I wasn't anticipating having I to do. A uh, little background. I loved this movie. I loved it growing up. Um, and now that we have started this podcast and are taking um, critical looks at things, no one can have fun anymore. So um, it's ruined everything say. I used to hold dear. Yeah. So, um, but that's okay. It's still fun. Like we're being hate haters in a fun way. I looked up John Voight's uh, politics, and it's not great news, so just go on hating him if you'd like to, because he's a trash man. Uh, yeah, I hated him then. I, I I still hate him, so oof. I'm upset. He, um, yeah, he apparently called Obama like a socialist that was listening to militant black men, and I was like... I wish, like, if only. Yeah, we wish. If it was only a every person that the right called a socialist was an actual socialist. That would be great. We would get something yeah, done. Thank you. Maybe, yeah. God. <sighs> Should we get into it? We're talking about Anaconda this week because we made that clear. <laughs> yeah, uh, 1997's like best movie of the year. Anaconda. Uh, it is a classic B movie. It has all of the hallmarks of a B movie. It's really fun to watch, but unfortunately, it has some damaging tropes about race and the working class, uh, and, and women, indigenous and all of it, folks, yeah. and women. I mean, it has all the shit we love to hate. Imperialism, yeah. Mm-hmm. Good times. So, but it also has <laughs> Eric Stoltz getting an emergency <sighs> tracheotomy. i'm like really upset to admit to myself like we talked a little bit last week towards the end eric stoltz is fine don't care yeah yeah he's like kind of i was like yeah he's kind of hot he's like super pale but like you know hot he's hot he had great he has great hair yeah um but yeah he he missed out on his big break but he's still a pretty <laughs> he good actor. He kind of didn't do so. anything in this movie either. He really didn't. I mean, he was asleep for... <laughs> I forgot how much of this movie he's asleep for. Okay, let's get into it. Okay, so, I don't know if I am. A description <laughs> appears on screen about tribes people, which I'm just going to say right now, I assume that... Um, Every indigenous tribe in every location has a different understanding or take on um, the use of the word tribes people, but I am certainly uncomfortable using it. I don't know how you feel, Rebecca. Yeah, no, it's not the best. I Yeah, I think no, indigenous peoples it's not, probably the I best. don't think I should be saying it. Right, so a uh, description appears on screen about the this indigenous group in the Amazon basin and their legends and worship of man-eating anacondas. Uh, we hear some probably problematic pan flute music as we pan over B-roll of the Amazon. We see, um, as the music turns more sinister, shots of the river and a uh, poacher in his barge frantically radioing for help. I did have to confirm on the Google that this is indeed Danny Trejo because he looks really young in this movie. Danny Trejo! Yeah, I mean, he looks young. He's always had that, like, like scarred muscly hotness you know so yeah but he was thin in this movie i thought he was a little thin yeah thin and greasy just how i like him i love a greasy so man well there's plenty of them to go around this (laughs) flick 
we see some caged animals on his boat. Uh, they're freaking out and they sense something and his radio dies as the boat shakes from beneath. Uh, the floorboards are busted up and he seeks higher ground from whatever's coming up to him from below. Uh, he climbs the mast and then terrified of what's chasing him, he shoots himself in the head, committing suicide. And then we see J-Lo, who is fresh off of her success playing Selena and apparently turned down uh what did she turn down for this it was like another movie that wasn't that good that she turned down for this script i don't know i didn't look that up yeah and we're never gonna know so if you want to know that at research researching jennifer lopez's career my bad yes so she's researching indigenous dry tribes in her uh hotel room eric stoltz sexy eric stoltz knocks on her door uh, he was just talking to guides to ascertain the whereabouts of the tribe they are studying. Uh, and it's revealed that um, Jennifer Lopez, whose character's name is Terry, is the director for a documentary being made by sexy professor Eric Stoltz, a.k.a. Stephen Kale. Mm-hmm. The next morning, um, Ice Cube, who plays Danny, I think the videographer, and Terry meet at the boat, and Ice Cube sees the professor and comments that she made it a pleasure cruise. <laughs> Hachi machi. Mm. Professor Steven is litigating the best route with Mateo, their guide and barge captain. Then Westridge arrives with some fancy wine, and he is a dickhead. He tells the female production manager to carry his things. She refuses. Uh, Danny and Steven then have a little reunion, and Eric Stoltz looks really hot smoking a cigarette, and it made me want a cigarette. <laughs> Everybody in their to... beer is now on board. Time to take off. What? Yes? Oh, I don't You No, I was just going to say, they call him Caruso, and he has that, like, hot adventurer, white guy adventurer True. vibe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is problematic, but still... I, I can't it's help it. It's the unbuttoned like shirt those, that does it for like me. Like him in that shirt and that, I assume cargo pants, which usually don't work for me. They work for me. So uh, Westridge, who is their fancy British narrator, tells, um, does a voiceover about how they're traveling down little known tributaries in search of the indigenous people of the mist or the Shirishama tribe. Owen Wilson is offending me by wearing socks and sandals, and he's super pervy and says the jungle is making him horny. Um, a storm then breaks out, and they hear someone calling for help through the storm. Who They bring him on board. He says his boat got stranded in the roots, and he'll get off at the next village where he knows the people. Mateo and Westridge look at him suspiciously, foreshadowing. Mm. The storm has calmed down, uh, and the man, whose name is Sarone, I found it spelled S-E-R-O-N-E and S-A-R-O-N-E, literally on the same webpage, so I can't tell you what the spelling is. <laughs> Who knows? He says he's from Paraguay, and I'm like, no, you're from Yonkers. I Googled you, John Boy. Like, God. This is a problem. We can talk about brownface later, I guess. I hate it. I mean, we're going to have to talk about it at some point, but this is highly offensive. I'm offended. Uh, So he's from Paraguay. He started out studying for the priesthood and ended up in the jungle as a poacher. He says he's seen the people of the mist and will show the crew where to find them. Uh, Some of the crew are having a sexy drunk dance party, but Terry and Steven (laughs) are studifully studying, dutifully studying. Uh, they see some fireflies, and Dr. Steven establishes a really weird, 
like gender binary with this like sexy fireflies. They have a charged moment and they smooch. It was really weird because he was like, the female fireflies are like feminine and small in their energy like, and burst, and the men the are fuck? like more commanding. I was like, can do we need this? I feel personally that I don't need it. I don't need it. <laughs> Ugh. So back on the boat, um, Oh, excuse me. I got ahead of myself. Ominous music plays and we see a jaguar uh, get attacked by the anaconda in the jungle behind the boat. It's uh, so funny because the jaguar looks like a huge stuffed animal that you get at Disneyland. It's so funny. It's like so clearly an animatronic, like fluffy puppet. (laughs) And then the eyeball that's left behind is, oh my God. (laughs) I know. Come on. I know. Back on the boat, uh, Westridge doesn't like Danny's rap music and threatens to hire someone to kill him. That just needs to be said. Um, Cerrone says the Shiri Shama are just around the bend up ahead. They approach what is uh, appears to be a snake totem. And Cerrone says the Shiri Shama worship anacondas. He tells of a legend to a journey... Excuse me, legend of a journey to a sacred lake where you pass a waterfall protected by warrior snakes. Then you travel through their land until you come to a wall so high it blocks out the sun. Dr. Stephen interrupts him and finishes the story. He says you follow that well for five days. When you finally reach its end, you see the head of a giant anaconda. Dr. Stephen uh, owns Saron and says um, that's the Maku, not the Shirishama. And because I'm a white anthropologist, I'm obviously um, the absolute like, standard of research for this, so fuck off. Of course. So then Saron gets angry and disrupts Westridge's narration. I meant to say the authority on it, but I couldn't come up with the word, so I just kept fishing around for other words that worked, and I just kind of don't think it did. We were, I knew what you meant. We're all Thanks, on the same page. Um, later, Gary and Denise are heading out to get some wild sounds. Uh, Cerrone looks deranged in a hammock. <laughs> it was really There's scary. so much sneering. He does this, like, weird, like, sneer. And, like, it- one of his eyes is half closed, and I'm like, I, like, wish I could take a, like, eraser and just erase your face off of my TV. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Ugh. So uh, in the jungle, Denise and Gary are enjoying some sexy time, but there's a lurking presence, and a wild boar begins chasing them. They run away and eventually come face to face with Cerrone, who takes a shot at the boar. They return to the boat, um, and then Stephen says everyone should stay on board at night from now on. The next day, the barge gets caught up on something, and Dr. Stephen is going into the river in scuba gear to cut the barge loose and he's worried about these little fish that climb into your urethra and like expand their spines which is real i have to tell you i am a 90 day fiance fanatic and anybody out there who's listening do you know this i have seen that clip only in like embarrassing youtube compilations it's so bad there's this guy paul who um, marries this woman, Karini, who's from Manau, Brazil, and they swim in the Amazon, but he, because of this movie specifically, wears a condom when he goes to swim in the Amazon because he's worried <laughs> about the urethra fish. Oh, my God. He's also just, like, the worst man in America. So please laugh at Paul. He's trash. Yeah. I've only seen yes. the clip where she's like, it's fine, just get in the water, because she's, like, just in a bikini, and he's, like, in, like, a full I th- net. And he, 
scuba suit he wears um a bulletproof vest everywhere he goes in brazil because he thinks it's so like outrageously unsafe how racist it's so bad i hate it it's not good so uh yeah urethra fish we're good on that um he goes (laughs) under to cut the propeller loose um and then we cross cut with Sarone being gross and ogling Terry as she puts her hair up, which she does do in an extremely sensual way. But I think if you're J Lo, you just do everything that way. I think that's yeah, just like the way she is. She's like my neck. Is, you're like I'm is just hot. Sweaty. I must yeah like. <laughs> So underwater, Stephen begins to struggle. He makes it to the surface, and Danny and Gary jump in to pull him back on the boat. Uh, They pull a wasp out of his throat and have to perform an emergency tracheotomy, and that's pretty much a wrap on Eric Stoltz for the movie. So hope you didn't get too attached to him. Right, yeah. He's asleep now forever. They uh, need to get him to a hospital, and they realize if they fight the current and double back, they'll lose two days. Sarone suggests cutting through a tributary, and it's the same route he suggested yesterday, so Terry is suspicious. Eventually, she acquiesces, and they uh, continue. They eventually reach a wall um, made out of wood and newly built. Sarone wants to blow it up and has dynamite handy. Again, Terry is uncomfortable and apprehensive, but she finally agrees. Uh, Gary and Sarone work on wiring the wall up, but Gary senses something under the water. And Sarone's like, yeah, it's going to eat you probably. (laughs) The wall blows, which seems like environmental terrorism. It just doesn't seem like the thing. Um, There's baby snakes everywhere as a result of the explosion. And Sarone is really cavalier and says, they're just babies. Go back to your mama. Westridge gets a snake stuck on his pointer finger, which was really funny. It's like also the tiniest snake. He could have just like pulled it right. It's like having a a chip clip stuck on there or something. (laughs) (laughs) They also don't have any teeth. So like the big ones don't have teeth either. It's like just like gumming his finger. (laughs) He's like, get it off me. (laughs) (laughs) So they realize they have um, only one drama fuel left enough for one day's ride and that that will have to do uh danny comes to talk to terry and she's pretty freaked out by sarone's erratic behavior they uh, approach danny trejo's abandoned boat and sarone says to stop in case there's fuel terry sees that he recognizes the boat and asks him if he knows it and he says there's just a lot of boats like that mateo and sarone go to investigate and danny decides to film uh, Mateo and Sarone reach the boat and Danny remains in the water filming, but something disturbs him and he follows them onto the barge. So inside the poacher's boat, just randomly, there's a newspaper clipping of Sarone, Mateo, and Danny Trejo, the dead poacher, holding a big phallic dick snake uh-huh. and just like, hey, they're like smiling, mm-hmm. uh, about to crack open a cold one. It's very coincidental. Right. What a of course they have a newspaper clipping. It's of so themselves. reductive. Like there's there's three people that are poachers on this Amazon. They're all like ostensibly men of color. Mm. They're all bad. And they're just there's those three. Yep. Not great. So inside the boat they're uh 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 uh, uh, uh uh, there's a trunk, and Sarone and Danny lifted off of the boat. Mateo follows, but when he jumps into the water, he's the first anaconda casualty. Danny goes back to find Mateo. He only finds his flashlight, and um, they're like, we'll just hang out here for the night because he's 
going to come back. And then Sarone tosses a huge anaconda skin and says, this snake has probably made a meal of Mateo. They strike wraparound you and hold you tighter than your true love. And you hear the bones break before you lose consciousness. And, uh, yeah, it became clear that Sarone led them this way just specifically to poach a large snake. Mm -hmm. So it's getting a little tense. Uh, Denise and Gary are heading to bed, but Sarone, from his hammock, tells Gary that danger is exciting. Gary lags behind and is enticed to help Sarone capture the snake, and um, Sarone says it could be a million doll hairs. A lot of doll hairs. The next day, Sarone shoots a monkey out of a tree as bait for the anaconda uh, and tells Westridge, who's now driving in the absence of Mateo, to continue. But Terry says no. Gary has turned to the dark side. He says with Kale fucked up, the best way to make some money is to film Sarone catching the snake. Um, Danny protests, and then Sarone is just, like, becoming a tyrant and fires his gun at him. It is nightfall on the barge. Sarone has baited the water and the anaconda is hooked. It rises out of the water and it's thrashing. Uh, It continues to thrash, knocks Danny's legs out. Um, It gets off the hook and that flies back and knocks Westridge over. Terry runs into the galley, which I know is language for a kitchen on a boat because of below deck on bravotv.com. I forgot you you like the show about people on boats. Yeah. I like the boat show. Yeah. <laughs> Bosun. First Galley night. is a fun name for a kitchen. Galley. Uh, most of the chefs have an accent usually. It's a good, <laughs> that was a good impression. It was. <laughs> Just take my word for it. <laughs> so Terry runs into the galley, but the snake crashes through the window. Sarone shoots a tranquilizer into its open mouth. Uh, in the hullabaloo, Denise is knocked off the boat, and Gary jumps in after her. They make it back, but as Gary is just climbing onto the edge, the snake snaps at his face, surrounds him, um, and kills him. Terry tries to shoot it, but Sarone says it's no good to him dead. So he's not a nice guy. No. In case you didn't know he's not. Already. He's not a good person. He's the worst. Uh, yes. He tells, so the next day, Sarone's like, all right, let's keep this shit up. Take my, Westridge, take my stuff upstairs. I'm going to throw you in the river if you don't, which is a little extreme. Uh, Below the boat, we see the anaconda swimming with an outline of Gary's face visible, which is so funny. (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking hilarious. It looks like like something out of Casper the Friendly Ghost. (laughs) Yeah, it's horrible. Oh, man. What a gem this movie is. So Terry and Danny cook up a plan and Terry goes to see Sarone. She says she was thinking about the myth and says this film was supposed to be her big break. She says, I could film you. I know it would be dangerous, but you could protect me. He says it's been a long time since he had a woman. And they smooch, but he sniffs out their plan and then pulls a gun on Danny when he enters. Westridge and his waspy garbage habits save the day because he smashes Sarone in the back of the head with his golf club uh, and they tie him up. The next morning, J-Lo has found the newspaper clipping and realizes it's all been a setup. She says, excuse me, he says they can't survive without him. And then Denise is crying and she glances meaningfully at Sarone. Terry checks on Kale and then enters the engine room where Danny's learning to drive. They reach the waterfall and the barge crashes because they've hit the bottom and they realize they'll have to get into the water to winch it loose. 
Meanwhile, Denise pulls a knife on Cerrone, but she hesitates and he hops up and strangles her with his legs. It's not really like that fun to watch. He then kicks her body into the water and gets a hold of the knife. Something back in the water where they're trying to winch the boat out. Something is stirring. So Danny, Terry, and Westridge start to head back to the boat. Westridge is separated and ends up having to climb the rocks on the waterfall to get away from the anaconda. Terry goes get, to get the gun while the snake is still giving chase to Westridge, but then Surround has gotten free and they have to fight him. It's literally chaos. There's um, so much happening. West, <laughs> there's so much happening. I'm like going to pass out from like explaining this plot. You're Meanwhile, Westridge gets cornered in like an... Thank you so much. I'm a princess. Um, Westridge gets cornered in an inlet in the waterfall. And then the anaconda is like above him. So he jumps down under the anaconda to avoid it. But it catches him mid-fall and pulls him down. Um, and it also knocks a tree over, which lands on the barge. Danny jumps off the barge to avoid the falling tree. He tries to get back, but he's caught on something. Uh, then Denise's body pops up. And the snake is trying to, like, simultaneously eat Denise and wrap around Danny. Terry takes a bunch of shots at it and kills the snake finally. It releases Danny. But then uh, no rest for the weary because Cerrone is right on Terry's ass, attacks her from behind, and he, she's, um, he's upset because she killed the snake. And then in the biggest surprise of the movie, Dr. Kale tranquilizes Cerrone from behind and they push him into the water but they see that the tranquilizer dart has popped out of his back. Whew. Take it all in, My people. goodness. Yeah, that was a... It just, it's just uh, Terry and Danny and Dr. Kale on the boat now. Those are our survivors. Yeah, we got rid of a lot of dead weight, according to yeah. this movie. I mean, yeah, plot, plot dead weight, for sure. Um, yes. Where am I, you guys? Okay. I'm re-acclimating to the fact that I have a lot more shit to read here. <laughs> Danny is <laughs> that it's uh, not driving over a barge. Yet. Was that the climax? No. <laughs> it's never going to be over. Uh, and they see a structure. Thinking that the structure might contain some f- fuel, they stop off. They see discarded weapons all over the dock, and it looks like something bad has gone down. Uh, but they continue anyway and find fuel drums and a huge snake skin. Do you think that this is maybe it? They just get the fuel, they take off, they're good to go? I think no, it may be. Cerrone attacks them again. <laughs> he attacks them from behind, he ties them up, and then he bleeds a monkey and splashes the blood on them to use them as bait for the anaconda. Cerrone goes up to the upper level, and then we see the snake enter. It approaches and tries to surround Terry and Danny, but serotonin, obviously I'm not okay, Cerrone drops a net on them (laughs) while the snake attacks them, and he tranquilizes it. So in a moment of poetic justice, the snake rises up and attacks Cerrone, eating him whole, which is like the famous shot of his legs like dangling out of the snake mouth. It's pretty fun. (laughs) Danny and Terry run, but the snake follows them. Terry locks herself in a room with a bunch of babies, and then uh, Cerrone gets spat out onto her boobies, essentially. Terry chases it. I'm sorry if none of this makes sense. Like, I feel like it's so chaotic. So Terry and Danny make a plan to chase it up the smokestack to trap it, and then Terry will escape out of the top of the smokestack 
And from below, uh, Danny will light it up and explode it with a bunch of fuel and um, lighter. So he lights the fuse, but Terry realizes she's struggling to get out of the top. She figures out how to work a basic hinge uh, and makes it out. But then her lead gets caught up as she's like scaling down the smokestack and she has to dramatically jump into the water. The smokestack blows and topples and the snake like tumbles out shrieking uh, and on fire. But it's still alive and it's giving chase. But Terry finally gets pulled up onto the dock and the snake dies we think. Uh, Danny turns to go get the fuel and the snake busts up through the slats and the dock for one final jump scare, but he like pickaxes it to death or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, Eric Stoltz has missed everything and seems to be completely <laughs> fine now. <laughs> he's, um, he's like up he's and talking and sitting in a chair. <laughs> yeah, no longer bleeding from then, the throat. Yeah. No, he's just like got a tiny band-aid now. <laughs> yeah. uh, the barge at the end of the movie is approached by Shiri Shama. Um, tribal people in rowboats and they uh, do get to exploit the indigenous population after all so it's a happy ending thank you guys for sticking with me as i as i did that plot that was a lot to handle that was um you did such a great job there was really a lot to wade through thank you so much thank you so much thank you so well where do you want to start I don't know. Which ism so, do you want to start with today? I guess we could uh, talk about the the people of the Amazon, the indigenous peoples, and how they're othered. Would that be fun? <sighs> I can't wait. <laughs> so, obviously, when I was younger and this movie came out, I had no language for this, for colonization or retrofitting indigenous narratives to fit into Western culture and Western anthropology traditions. Um but once you know, you can't like unknow and you see just how universal it is to exploit tribes that we see as other or I like really hesitate to use the word savage. But it's just you see um, that like a white man who is a scholar on paper feels entitled to the legends and history of these people because he's a scholar mm-hmm. and also because what do white men think they're not entitled to like nothing right bum, bum, bum. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. oh god i mean so i did a little research into the history of like the indigenous people of the rainforest of Amazon and like surprise surprise guess who showed up in the 15th century fuck face in chief Christopher Columbus and uh, 15th century really hmm. so the population around that time was around 6 million they think um, and then cut to modern times and it's around 280,000 people how, how, how sad is that what the fuck? What the fuck? I right. mean, uh, and... And these people live on designated preservations. Like, that's fucked. That's mm-hmm. fucked. And they, yeah, so, like, the pre-colonial civilization flourished. They had their own ceremonial rituals, geometric, like, I don't know, ceremonial structures, road systems, and they were able to care for the forest in a generational sustainable way and then fucking in comes everybody to take all of the natural resources the whole rubber boom and even the the name the amazon is from when a spanish 
imperialists came and called and named it after the Greek warriors, Amazons. So right, Amazonas or whatever. Right, right, right. What a fucking bummer. And I mean, it's just so frustrating too when you think about the back end of this movie and the production. Like, not only are you exploiting the story and narrative of indigenous peoples, even the working class people that are, you know, technically colonizers, but also just like live in the area through, Mm -hmm. you know, on stolen land. I'm assuming, I mean, there's no like, I have no sources to support this, but I wish like there was more transparency about if there were local people working on the set, what their compensation was like, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just feels super exploitative. It feels like a white savior narrative. Uh, and like it feels like the reward for their hard won battle in land they weren't invited to and don't belong in is to like have the gift of seeing these people. But it's frustrating because it's like indigenous people don't owe you anything. Sorry. They don't. Get off like their you, land. Go Did away. you get their consent to videotape them? No, you didn't. Right. Like you're, it's, they don't want, like, they don't give a fuck about you, rightfully. Like, you don't, they don't belong to you. Their story doesn't belong to you, sir, Stephen, Kale. You're still <sighs> hot, though, but you're an you're asshole. You're still hot, but, like, yeah, you're a dick. Uh, but a, the movie was, a lot of it was filmed in the Dominican Republic, and then some of the river scenes were filmed in Brazil, and then a lot of it took place on a Los Angeles soundstage. That's so interesting, because I saw something that said, contrary to popular belief, it wasn't filmed in the DR, no. and it was indeed filmed, like, in the Amazon. I I mean, I guess, I don't know, I whatever I read. If you worked on whatever. the set of Anaconda, let us know. <sighs> Please let me know. Um, yeah, yeah, so it's just really toxic, um, like, consideration of the food sovereignty and, like, religious practices are obviously not taken into account. Mm-hmm. I also, this is not completely, it's tangentially related, but I have a real problem with the characterization of poachers as evil because um, I think that it is from a western like american view that we view that like poaching is wrong but i do wish there was more exploration of like socioeconomic and traditional practices that exist in this area uh that can contribute to understanding the like history and lifestyle of poaching and like going out to collect game for profit Uh, And I know that's kind of like an unpopular opinion and poaching is generally bad, but also this is just so like blithely, blithely coded with just like badness and without a real exploration of like local culture or Mm. local practices or socioeconomic factors. I think it would be a lot more successful. I mean, in so many ways, if John Voight was not in brownface and he was just a fucking douchebag white guy, like that would make so much more sense to the story of that him just like manipulating all the people around him rather than him being a brown man like he it's not it's such a practice that is like has happened since Hollywood decided that they could tell me like put one Latinx story on screen like it's been happening forever it's I just read a fucking story that Javier Bardem is gonna play Desi Arnaz in an up coming biography like what the fuck like what the fuck it's 20 it's 2021 now we can't you can't 
you can't make him mm-hmm. a Latino? Like, you got to get a Spanish guy? Right. Why? For what reason? Right. Oh, uh, so super yeah. upsetting. Really and that fucking accent is <clears throat> super racist. I, I just, don't even, like, do we even uh, have to talk about the accent? Like, it's obviously extremely racist. His facial expressions, his, like, verbal cues, everything yeah. uh, is his equating, speech. like, a like Latinx identity to being evil. Mm-hmm. Um, the whole thing kind of reminded me of this story. I think I heard on NPR, like, a couple of years ago about now um, that the U.S. government has uh, some control in Puerto Rico. It's working really hard on outlawing cockfighting. Um, which is on paper like a good thing, but when you look at local culture and sustainable like economic practices for people that practice cockfighting in the area, you'll see that it's a huge part of their um, cultural history as well as their economic like success. Um, and while it's something that may like seem unsavory to like white people that can't like appreciate anything outside of their sphere of normality, it's actually something that is really beneficial for local economies. Uh, and there are people being interviewed that have practiced cockfighting for generations. They're saying like, I would like literally die for my rooster. And this is something that I've done for years. And it's just like sort of like a surface level white you know, Western understanding mm-hmm. of a culture that we don't really take time to like interrogate or understand and we're just coding something as bad without understanding it. And that kind of like lack of nuance is really fucking frustrating. There's also like, especially in Puerto Rico, is like such an erasure of culture in general because there's a mm-hmm. United States territory. And so they have all of these like you're part of the United States, but you get no protections and no money and we don't respect you at all and you don't get a vote, but we're going to dictate everything that happens in your country. And then everyone's just going to forget about you and be like, I'm going to go to Puerto Rico to drink. I don't know. People are so stupid. I just, it's, I just hate everything about. um, I hate everything about everything. (laughs) Uh, But, but uh, I feel like there are complicated Latinx stories to tell. Mm -hmm. There are complicated understandings of like you know brazilian village culture socioeconomic culture what life is like living on the amazon for uh indigenous peoples what food sovereignty looks like and i don't know how much we can expect from this movie that never purports to be anything but a b movie but a b movie with like someone should make a b movie with really nuanced like cultural social and equity like through lines because that's where I like, think it has to be start. <laughs> yeah, because like a major studio isn't going to back anything except for what's going to make them the most money. So if you're like putting all of these progressive basic understanding of anything at all into a B movie, like that's where it's going to flourish and become a cult classic. It's and still then a maybe... great, great, really fun creature feature. Um, but I don't know. I just like it is. It's 1997, but it also like what is our excuse for not being more literate and continuing to practice cultural erasure? You know, mm-hmm. just a few years ago, so many years after like the violence that is still sustaining and still being perpetrated against indigenous groups was like begun. What we yeah. have no meaningful excuse. We have nothing. Right. It's not like there wasn't. I'm cheesed. Knowledge. I think I was cheesed last yeah. week too. 
You what? Oh, uh, you want to talk about another kind of racism, which is something that I really felt disturbed by, which was the substitution of the sort of trauma bonding that occurs between Westridge, a like national yeah. white man, and Danny, coded as uh, like an urban kind of like. I don't want to say like gangster, but he's coded as like, oh yeah, he's like an urban person from Los Angeles. So, so this he he is coded. I was going to say he is coded that way because Ice Cube was at. I was pretty talking, much but it's, the height. I'm sorry, you're like the internet connection is cutting out, cool. so I can't like hear you. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding. So he, um, yeah, has just like basically separated from NWA and is at the height of his career as a like rapper based out of Los Angeles. Yes. So everyone who watched this movie, it was Boys in the Hood, is had already come out. Like he was. That's yes. why they cast him was for this role, and he was still wears Dodgers clothes. He's still from California. He yes. like his first line in the movie uh, is that... "It's a good day," which is one of his pretty songs. cute. Mm-hmm. And it apparently, cute. he co-wrote the song that they were he was listening to on his boombox. Love to mm-hmm. see a boombox. Really brings me back. It's great. But what I'm I was trying to express, if I I'm may, sorry. I forgive you, uh, is that the kind of like they substitute this trauma bonding that they experience. Uh, for actual, like, anti-racism. So Westridge comes to accept Danny, uh, and they have that moment in the engine room where they're, like, reminiscing and joking about the things they can't wait to get back to. But Westridge has already, like, demonstrated that he experiences implicit bias and is racist against Danny because he literally threatens to have him murdered um, for Mm -hmm. playing his music too loudly. So he has accepted Danny as, like, a good black person without actively seeking uh, to find, like, a true anti-racist outlook or to interrogate what has created his implicit bias or undo it because he'll continue with the same behaviors moving forward, but he's, like, recategorized Danny in his brain as, like, someone of a different ilk than the regular black people he encounters. Right, because he knows him differently. Um, yeah, I think Westridge is also a problematic character in general because he's like that poor prissy. Actor. He's always I, just like a prissy dickhead. Jonathan Hyde. Uh, I was like Jumanji as soon as he came on. That's all I know. Of him. That's yeah. right. Uh, but yeah, he's like uppity and prissy and like he's he kind of the same character in this movie as he was in Jumanji. Is, yeah, and I I'm sure he's a perfectly nice person, but we don't he know doesn't. That. He doesn't get any, I know, he doesn't get any sort of, he gets a little redemption with the Danny thing and then he dies in like a, I don't know, I don't, everyone dies, I guess. But what I will say about Danny's character is that like, he is good and he's courageous and he gets like a little bit of character development and like he gets to have some of the action and he doesn't die, but he like doesn't have any sort of personality outside of like what we already know that ice cube is so like he's basically just ice cube playing this role because he has no other signifiers like he doesn't get any sort of backstory really except for that we know he went to school with terry and was also a student of kale's and like there's that's it he just like is a good person the end and he lives it's more than we get for most black characters it's more than we get for most black characters um, I don't wish to push back in a meaningful way, but I would argue that, like, nobody gets a fleshed-out character development in this movie. 
That's true. It, yeah, I guess. It is more it is more offensive and aggressive and it feels more sinister when we're just coding Danny with the things that we've already established our personality traits or markers of Ice Cube, but mm-hmm. also we don't basically know anything about anyone, which is in most situations not acceptable but i feel like i can forgive it because this is just a stupid creature feature it is stupid, but that doesn't yeah. mean that things like this aren't damaging in the long term even though this is like just a b movie you know what i'm saying mhm i mean i do i i ice cube as i can't has his own um problems now but i yeah so can you tell me i actually don't know why ice cube is problematic now uh, I was so, saving. I was saving up asking you for when we were recording. Oh God! So he made this plan uh, in 2020. This plan, quote, plan for Black America, um, which is just to say that like the Black elite are not going to save. Like they are still rich. You know, we can't look to them mm-hmm. to help systemic change in any way because they're benefiting from like systemic systemic differences and like the the poor and so he came up with this right. plan for black america and i guess was sort of dismissed uh by the biden administration and then trump said he was going to hear him out and so there was all of this like um they photoshopped a picture of 50 cent who is a trump supporter um with a photo he took with ice cube of the whole trump hat and then so there was that and then he came back and said that he wasn't for either side which is fair but he also is not for like systemic change either so like it's just it's like a little problematic for him to be like well i'm gonna hear i'm gonna let everyone hear me out because clearly the trump administration is gonna do more for black people than it's like neither i Whatever you went almost there with, like neither neither one of them is going to help us. But he's also like disregarding That's, black women who are fighting so often. Yeah, like they're like, like the government doesn't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and like they don't take care of the working class. And like it's like conservatives get so close to leftism, and then they just get like ensnared back into their own circle jerk of bullshit. Yeah, of like money is what but, they're really concerned about. So. Yeah, but guess what? There's yeah. enough wealth for everybody, and you're never going to fucking be Jeff Bezos. You'll be dead first. We all will. You'll be dead first, and he's not someone to look up to, okay? Let's no, quit he's it, a guys. criminal. Uh. <sighs> well, I think it's a more nuanced exploration of implicit bias and racism than we normally see in a horror movie, especially out of 1997, but it basically is terrible and does essentially nothing. Um, yeah, and I just, like, can't emphasize enough that trauma bonding and accepting one person uh, out of, like, a situation that was extremely heightened and terrifying isn't, like, actually not being racist. <laughs> like, yeah. that is what was most upsetting because, like, Westridge is redeemed. He's like, I accept Danny. He's not horrible. I go and die by snake now. And then um, he doesn't have to, like, move forward with his life interrogating what, like – parts of him have been socialized into white supremacy or actively trying to undo those things. But at least he's dead. Westridge is a problem. I have a problem with him. Uh, Yeah, but he's also, like, just very inconsequential and has, like, so little screen time, too. He, like, just suddenly knows how to drive a barge. I don't know. I know. I I was like, since when? How? Um, Do you want to talk about Terry as a character? 
Yeah, let's talk about Terry. Oh, man. So, as I said, J-Lo is fresh off Selena. So, she is sort of, like, just beginning her rise to triple threat fame. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think Terry as a character is groundbreaking. What do you think? No. I do. (laughs) Okay, so this is maybe the first time. How many movies have we done? Like, 14? The first time we've gotten. this is our 16th movie. Oh, my God. I think this is our first... Besides Cro- Eve's Bayou, this is our first, like, female main character of mm-hmm. color, I think. Yeah. Yeah. And the first time we've ever had to, gotten a chance to talk about, like, the othering of Latinx people, which is just exciting for me. Uh, Get into and- it, babe. I'm here to listen, and I am excited to hear what you have to say. They uh, still make her a sex object, in case you were wondering. It's still... Fireball, Latina, all around, you know, Big super fun. Big hair, little white tank top, like, she perky hot. little boobs. Yeah. She's yeah. definitely super hot, yeah. Uh, and she, yeah, and they're, like, shots of her, like, even just, like, the first scene we get of her is her in, like, a semi-sheer white nightgown. And then it just, oh, like, continues see, like, on that way. Oh, you see, like, her whole butt crack, yeah. Yeah, of course, because, like, why else is J-Lo there? Um, and they just, like... They're, like, she's smart, but she still has to have a love interest. She has to be tied to a professor who, an ex-professor slash ex-lover who is a whole relationship that I'm sure is super problematic because he was dating a student and then hired her after she graduated, which is, like, I guess to give her a job, but then doesn't make it just professional because he's fucking straight up kissing her and hitting on her and stuff. So... Yeah, it's not even like they have like a gradual rekindling where he has to re-earn her trust or they like explore the emotional nuance of their like power dynamic. It's just like, yeah, we're making out now. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I ta- I t- I talked to you about lightning bugs for 30 seconds and now we're making out. Um and then she's like Swoon. back to calling him babe again like when he's like got his trachea broken or whatever yeah, like he's not gonna die he's not the first he's... person to have an emergency tracheotomy take it down a notch i mean yeah and they're like she's very and then her only concern is getting him to the hospital which is like fair because she's a decent person but then like she, she forgets have... her entire career i think she would have for any member of her crew or whatever yeah. probably undertaken the same action but it gives her this sort of like vigilante lover slant because mm-hmm. she it's like her treasured person, like, her, like, cherished partner or whatever that she has to, like, avenge and fight for. So uh, it's, I think, supposed to build up, like, additional emotional tension, but there's um, obviously nothing of substance in their relationship or in, like, how she reacts to his um, injury and how she moves forward through the plot after that. And you would, so they're sort of set up like when, because Kale is the leader of this whole mission. And so when he is incapacitated, you know, I was really hoping for Terry to take over. And uh, I was super disappointed. And, and she, so she just continues to follow. And when she does finally stand up to herself, like after the whole monkey death thing, and she says, not on my boat. Gary turns on her and sides with the uh, the other with this the uh, closest other man random... who might be in charge. Yeah, yeah. so like who he has no like shot. prior relationship to. Apparently, Gary is only motivated by sex and money, 
which is also reductive and damaging depiction of a white man in the patriarchy. Um, It's just like tired and played out. And I just want to see complex male characters with emotional depth that are like vulnerable with their feelings and honest with their partners. Is that so much to ask? No, I want to see that for men and women. It's just, like, upsetting. And uh, and she does have to... The fucking seduction scene between her and Sarone is horrifying. That's, I like, the actually, scariest part. I didn't even watch it because I knew it was going to happen, so I just was like, I'll just jot down a quick overview. I can't actually look at it because I feel that J-Lo's life is in danger right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, she, like, has to... Of course, she has to use her body... In order to get what she wants, and, uh, even though that's not the kind of character that she is up until then. Like, she has feelings for one person. She's not particularly, like, I don't hitting or flirting with anyone else. And then she has to, like, use her sexuality in order but to... But she inca- also has to be academic, intelligent, mm-hmm. resourceful to be a character of value because she is a Latinx woman. She because... isn't allowed to just exist. Right, yeah. She can't just be a regular person because, like, we already have our slut. Our slut is Denise. I feel bad for Denise. She really got a raw deal. Fear of uh, really bad for Denise. But uh, a raw and, like, deal both in having to fuck Owen Wilson and in uh, getting murdered and pushed off a boat. Yeah, she Ew. also gets murdered with her head between Who a man's I thighs. I would fuck Owen Wilson. <laughs> I am not. I'm a Luke Wilson girl all the way. I'd fuck them both. I don't. It's like his his he's so annoying in all of his movies. So I don't know. Yeah, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's part of it. He's I don't know annoying. what to tell you. Uh, do you want to sh- talk a little bit about Denise or do you want to, do you have more on Terry? No, just that she doesn't, like, all of her actions don't actually come to, any, like, she uses her sexuality to incapacitate Sarone, but then he gets free anyway, and then she, like, kills the snake, but then she immediately gets attacked by Sarone, and then at the and end, the Danny... the snake doesn't die. Yeah. yeah, and then the snake doesn't die, oh, and at the end... snake, sorry. Yeah. How many snakes are we gonna kill? It's like a whole... I don't even know how many were on screen, to be honest with you. So many. I know there were, like, supposed to be several, <laughs> but I was like, I'm pretty sure you just made one. Um... Yes, I feel also like she has her agency taken away uh, mm-hmm. because she imme- almost immediately is motivated by her romantic relationship and she's no longer really allowed to be motivated by her career or her like personal growth. It just has to like completely pivot to being all about uh, Eric Stoltz, who is not hot enough to like abandon your life for. Your career for. I'm sure she's a great Still director. Still hot there. Still hot. All right, we can talk about our our slutty slut. Denise, poor thing. So Denise and Owen Wilson, a.k.a. Gary, apparently both do sound. Um, I think she's the production manager. No, she's the production managers. manager. Yeah. So I feel like it's kind of inferred that she is the, like, lowest person on the food chain because of the way that Westridge treats her basically right off the bat. Um, we see that she's obviously, like, beautiful, wearing makeup, like, she, um, is sexy, she is, it's established early on that she's having sex with Gary, much to my dismay, because she could do a lot better than Mr. Socks and Sandals. For sure. Although, I feel like a hypocrite, because I also wear socks and sandals, but I think it's cute when I do it. It is cute when you do it. Thank you so much. I wear, I will wear socks and slides, like, because why not? I also hate sandals, so, like, I don't really want to wear them, but sometimes I just have I'm to go like, take the trash I've, like, kind of never seen you wear sandals, yeah. I hate them. 
despite growing up in a desert. I I won't wear them if I don't have to. There could be like an iguana coming at you or something. Except for my platform, like my little black platform. I guess those, those are, are technically yeah. sandals. Yeah. But that's um, it. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen you in shorts or just like a pair of sandals. Yeah. I am wearing shorts right now. But you can't see them. Prove it. Just kidding. <laughs> I, like, really admire your ability to wear long pants in the, Jeans. like, asshole of Boston summers. Just, like, a true nightmare. Super sweaty, but. Super swamp ass. So, Denise, um, yeah, she is punished, like any horror movie slut, for mm-hmm. seeking out, like, a sexual experience with Gary because she's nearly bored by a wild boar. Gored by a wild boar. I like bored better. Um, and then, yes, as you said, she um, is characterized as weak because, obviously, she is completely traumatized and heartbroken when Gary dies. Um, which is fair. Like, which is fair. Her- I would have been the same, yeah. Yeah, her boyfriend just fucking... One turned on her and then immediately died. Like, of course she's going to be despondent and, and like, sad. Like, not great, hot dog. Yeah. Um, and then I like to call my sister hot dog because I think it's really funny. Oh. Did you um, enjoy it? I did. Hot dog. Thank you. Uh, so she uh, – I'm sorry. I got distracted and checked my online course, which isn't <gasps> professional. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> I feel it was personally re- victimized. It was really rude, but for personally victimized by Regina George. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then, yeah, she's characterized as weak because she's not able to just like outright murder Serrano after he is like the cause of the death of her partner. And she's punished for that by being squeezed to death between his gross, stinky, sweaty thighs. She has no dignity in her character arc or in her death. Yeah. And, like, yeah, they don't give her any, like, she's a production manager. Like, she has a career and a job and, like, but they make her a stupid dumb slut who, like, wants to go fuck in the Amazon. That's not the best place to fuck at night. I just think there would be too many mosquitoes, but, like, you're an adult. Just have sex on the boat. Like, it's fine that you guys are fucking each other. can fuck off. Yeah. They don't need to be around so it, yeah and yeah and the like sort of ultimate insult he Saron calls her a baby bird after he murders <gasps> her which is so creepy and just like disgusting and degrading he's trash uh, he's the worst I I don't even like really want to talk about Saron because he's just like horrible he like gives he also calls fucking Terry sweetie like several times so it's so gross. Don't give I also want to point out, not on the surround topic, but I think Mateo is personally victimized by this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, He's the only brown man. Only actual on brown man. <laughs> yeah. oh, um, besides Danny Trejo, who, of course, dies first. Dies first, yeah. First, first. And then Mateo is the first one out of the um, crew on the barge to die. So he is local, he's brown, and he's working class. Mm -hmm. Um, And outside of Cerrone, he's the only, like, true working class person uh, in the crew because all of them are academics or filmmakers. Uh, So he, like, definitely reads as expendable. It's super unsurprising that they kill him first. Mm -hmm. Um, But, again, gross. And they all, like, 
yes, they wait there for, like, what, six hours to see if he comes back. Maybe that long, if, like, if that. It's and not they, an like, extensive the, search. Definitely not. Right. No one gets off the barge. And they order him around the whole time. Like, the first time we see him, he's being ordered around by Kale. Like, it's just, he gets nothing. He gets less character development than no character development for everyone else. Yeah. And, like, then not only has he been, like, completely undignified and being, like, essentially the, like, indentured servant for this group of dickheads, but then they're also, like, mm, he's also a poacher, so he's a bad yeah. person, so it's fine that he dies. He was bad for Also, the just saying, they have the little boat. We've seen the little boat, okay? They have the little inflatable boat, and yet these bitches are getting in the water left and freaking right. You can take the little boat and poke around and see if Mateo is there. Right. And you can also do that to, like, maybe send two people back to go get fuel slash take Kale to land to get his fucking tracheotomy fixed. I don't... It just seems like there were other ways to approach this. Mm-hmm. And apparently Kale could have, you know, been totally fine for those two for days, two days. It was gonna take yeah. to fight the current since he's sitting up and just like chit chatting. <sighs> they <laughs> they like Danny finds Sarone suspicious, Terry finds Sarone suspicious, and yet they do nothing about those suspicions and, and continue Terry to listen is the to one him, that them. Verbally pushes back and they ignore like the others, excepting Danny, I guess, yeah. ignore her concerns, um, marginalize her and paint her as like unreasonable and unable to take agency and say, like, no, this is what we're doing. I can fucking figure this out. They're like, we need him. Right. And like, no, you don't. Like, you it's don't a, need him. You came in a line. You went down a line. Just stay also, on the like, boat and go back down the line. Right. And like, fucking Westridge can drive the barge, so they really don't need him. Like, just he's leave apparently him on the an tree. expert barge driver. Who right. knew? <laughs> God, I do like. For all that I'll say, like you know, this it's a B movie. It was fun, but like I do like that. The relationship between Danny and Terry, they're friends. At the end, Kale is nowhere to be seen in the big climax with the snake. Like, it's a black man and a brown woman. On screen that have a platonic relationship that is probably the most nuanced relationship in the film. They are the only two with, like, demonstrated trust and affection for each other. Um, we see, obviously, that Terry is, like, romantically connected to Kale, but with Danny, she feels, it feels easy. They trust each other kind of implicitly. They've obviously worked together a long time. Yeah, I really appreciated that friendship. Yeah, and it's, yeah, they get to be, to save, well, really, Danny does all the saving in the end because he's maneuvering through that, like, workshop like, he lived there his whole life. I was like, life. do you just know how to blow up a freaking smokestack suddenly? <laughs> yeah. I was like, how do you, the hose thing? And I was like, what the fuck? And he's the one who's like, we have to winch this barge out of a tree. And, like, you're from Southern California. Like, what? How do you know? I wrote down the word winch, but I don't really know what winch means, to be honest with you. It's like some, like, counterbalance so that you can get a heavy thing. It sounds unpleasant. Yeah, I don't know. Cool. Fine. But. Yeah. But yeah. I had fun. I think it was a breath of fresh air after Jennifer's body, to be honest with you. <laughs> We've also right, just generally been bad. doing a lot of body horror and like, it was nice to just see people of color on screen and it was nice to do a creature feature. I think this is our first one. Is Jeepers Creepers count as a creature feature? I wouldn't count it as like, I wouldn't count it as a creature feature, but I well, would like to not hear a what human. you think. He's like, okay, so our vampires... But it's more of, like, paranormal, like, demonic thing. 
I yeah, feel like creature features are just like big critters, like like yeah, placid or arachnophobia. We should do arachnophobia. <sighs> I have a really weird boner for Jeff Daniels, which I think I've expressed before. <laughs> you so have told I, me this. I'm before. totally down. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god! But yeah, it, like it was. Um, as far as like letting brown and black people have roles, like I appreciate it. It's a lot more than Jennifer's body gave us. That's true. So. True enough. I do wish that we could have accomplished this without brown face. Uh, maybe <sighs> fucking put Danny Trejo in Cerrone's role. Like, why would have done a great John fucking Boyd? job? He would have done so don't well. Need you, John Boy, go away. <laughs> oh my god. But then, yeah, it's like give one brown man a redeeming arc. I don't, you know, like give him. Give I thought. Him something. I feel like Mateo could have had a perfectly fine arc if they hadn't yeah. aggressively Murdered killed him. him. Yeah, in the beginning. <laughs> Oh, womp. And womp, again, womp. Uh, look up your local indigenous legislative agenda. And even if you can't support um, the tribes whose land you live on financially, it doesn't take a lot to uh, email your local government officials and support that legislative agenda. And yeah, remember the anti-racism and decolonization includes indigenous people as well as um, black people in this nation. Hmm. Uh, yeah, we all mm. have to actively fight. I don't know. I'm so, I'm like, really, everything sucks. Biden but presidency okay. got you down. <laughs> yeah, I, I see yesterday I spent zero time on like the news or social media. And then today I was like, I guess I should look at what's going I'm, on. I'm like annoyed that liberals posting the Bernie in the chair meme with like an LOL. I'm like, he is our frugal socialist king. And you do not get to like just poke fun at him now. I mean, I love poking fun at, like, rich white men, no matter who they are. But uh, watching liberals, like, celebrate this presidency beginning on social media is pretty unbearable. Yeah. I mean, I don't. Speaking of Jennifer Lopez, she was also at the inauguration, you know, just as relevant then as now. And we're still talking about Ice Cube and concerned to, like, the presidential election. So, like. They're doing okay, And but. Garth Brooks, everybody's favorite guy that randomly assumed an alter ego and made like an indie album in the 90s. Remember when I that happened? It. it was like a, yeah, it was like a, what was his name? It was like a metal alt. Shh, hold on, I'll find out. Fuck, it was so not, crazy. I wasn't tuned in for the whole inauguration, um, no, but I, I didn't none. see uh, an indigenous person at all, anywhere. Garth Brooks, alter ego. Chris Gaines. What's his Chris Gaines. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> How could oh, we all no. forget? Kids, this is what it was like. The album cover. I mean, and he did that and people were like, "Okay." And now he's at the inauguration in 2021. God love him. Oh man. Satan love him. Satan. Uh any us. final thoughts, feelings, anything you want to say about Anaconda 1997? I think I'm done. I mean, yeah, yeah it was, we did what we can do. We did what we can do. I'm glad that Danny Trejo is is doing really well because I love him. That's all I have to say. What did he do most recently? I mean, besides the Machete franchise. Besides the Machete franchise, he's in like every action movie now. He's he like, is truly he's everywhere. all over it. Yeah. All right. Since he we was in are... Breaking Bad, the best show you've never seen. As you know, I've never seen it. Um, I Since we kind of ran under on this, I am going to go to Danny Trejo's IMDb. Let's look it <laughs> so. up. Oh, my God. We're only at an hour. Look at us. I know. We're, we're growing. So good. 
He has such nice hair. He does. And yeah, okay, he Okay, like- so Machete Kills in Space is the next one in the franchise. It's been announced, so get ready. We'll do it for a bonus episode. <laughs> he has like literally 10 things in pre-production right now. Yeah, he's a busy ass man. Good for him. Good for him. Um, I can't tell you the last thing I saw with him because I haven't seen a lot of these movies. Uh-oh. I did see The Legend of La Llorona. He apparently is oh, in yeah. that. Oh, yeah. Was he? Maybe last I Exorcist. I have been scrolling for 45 minutes and I'm still in 2020. Yeah. He, uh, we should do uh, uh, Planet Terror. That's what I think. I actually have never seen Planet Terror, so I saw... <gasps> I love it. I saw Death Proof, which I really loved, mm-hmm. and I know that, like, I know that Quentin Tarantino's a trash man, and we need to put him in the trash, but <laughs> there are a lot of, like, cool, empowered ladies in that movie, I'm just gonna right. say. It's true. I uh, do, do I will watch Kill Bill. You do have to look at their Kill toes Bill. a lot, but... I know. I, I, yeah, it's um, I don't hard. know about Kill Bill. I think we need to talk about Kill Bill, dude. Uh-oh. It's like... I haven't watched it in a couple of years. Orientalist wet dream. Like, it's That's not... That's true. Man. Good. God damn it. You're right. Fuck. Maybe we, we won't do it. Um, I also what feel the same s- way about, uh, like, From Dust Till Dawn. I love, 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 love that movie. So. We should totally do that movie. Daniel Trejo, I'm pretty sure, is in it. Let me look. Uh, for sure. And so is Salma Hayek. Just talk about a Latina oh, he's, doing um, it Daniel all. Trejo's in Three From Hell. That's where I just recently saw him. Okay, there you go. We'll do that one, too. But first, we have to do Devil's Rejects. We've we listen, guys. We've got years. So we're going to be doing this for fucking. We decades, I think we literally so. are lined up for like the next two years right now on our our Great. crazy list. We also just keep adding ones because <laughs> we're like, oh, I want to do this. I want to do that. I just added a really embarrassing one, Crimson Peak. <gasps> I love that movie. It's I've so never gross seen and stupid. <laughs> I think it's it's like the recent Guillermo del Toro like gothic romance, and I've seen it like a lot of times. I just love it connected with it what can i say what's the one with the fish did you see that movie the one with the fish uh can you expand on that at all the um, oh the shape of water the shape of water did you watch no it? i didn't see it i did and like yeah she fucks a fish but it was a pretty good movie i don't have a problem with her fucking a fish it Me seems neither. like it was consensual and everyone is like she fucked a fish I'm like well worse shit happens in horror movies all the time and y'all are Speaking dead of silent fucking a fish so. <laughs> Did you uh, Google that conspiracy theory they've been covering on page seven about yeah. Tom Cruise fucking raw fish, dead raw fish? I'm so confused. There's like, and then yeah, I saw like the Reddit posts or whatever. I'm still like, what a conspiracy. It's a lot to take it. Yeah. That's so so weird. if you don't already, head over to page seven um, from the LPN network. On, they're on Spotify and they have like a celebrity conspiracy theory corner. And there's a lot of info going around about how Tom Cruise has, there's like evidence, there's receipts that he fucks raw fish. So I recommend <laughs> heading Is it over a Scientology there. thing? Is it like for the the omega-3s they get in through your no dick. one knows i don't think do you get vitamins through your dick maybe we'll never don't know. answer that <laughs> all right next week we're doing bad hair which is on hulu i think it's like a hulu original mm-hmm. um so the reason i actually chose anaconda was because it was free on netflix and then when i went to watch it on netflix it wasn't there anymore so i had to rent no. it i rent- rented it on voodoo 
don't rent Anaconda because we gave a perfect synopsis of the plot. <laughs> um, you, it's like you were there. Wasn't I it? was like I just watched it right before we started recording. Uh. Uh, yeah, so we're doing bad hair, and then we'll be in February. So um, I don't think our schedule is completely fleshed out. If you want to hear anything, please tell us. Please, honestly, we don't care. We keep asking you to DM us, and nobody is. And nobody's. It's maybe because nobody's listening. <laughs> I know they're listening because I'm making we all see my the loved numbers. ones write reviews. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so please uh, follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram at spooky succubus underscore cast. Subscribe, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. If I saw a review from someone that I didn't know because I've been making my friends write them, I'll have a heart attack. Yeah. Give me a heart attack. Let's give Abby a heart attack. That's our new goal. <laughs> and then if you want to uh, subscribe to our Patreon, it's only six sixty six bones a month, and you'll get all kinds of stuff. We'll give you whatever you want. We're desperate yeah. whore bags. It's true. Do I have to mention I'll get a tattoo again? I'll say it. Oh, I actually don't think we've set this up, but we've decided as a team that if we get to 100 Patreon subscribers – uh, we will get a horror movie tattoo of the patrons choosing. So it'll probably we'll have... be slightly moderated, but um, do it. We'll get a tattoo. I'll do we'll it do on it. my butt. I said I'll do it on my butt, and I stand by it. I Butts hurt, so I'll put it on my arm or my leg or something, but I'll still get it. I 100 Patreon patrons. Maybe it'll be we'll... a year from now, but Maybe. I'll get your it. name tattooed on me. I don't care. Aww. I'll get a little little A for Abby. I'll make a little anarchist A. That's actually perfect. Yeah. All right. Uh, That's it, I think. Okay. Cool. See you next week. Bye. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.